Hello and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is the Christmas show special right here on Faith FM and you are with Lawson. Yeah. Who's got his mouth full? Yeah. And Mon. Right before you introduce him, he shoves some blueberry pie in his face. He's definitely in the Christmas spirit. Why, why do we have blueberry pie in the studio? And why no. is why is Lawson eating pie on air? I owe him pie. This leads perfectly into what I'm grateful for. Because okay. I am grateful for the Christmas miracle of food. And that Christmas miracle came from Monica... Who made me a blueberry pie? Who gave to me? Who gave this? Who gave to me? <laughs> she gave it to me, and I'm just loving life. You're loving it, yeah. Like, oh, so yep, yep, I'm just, I'm just yep. stoked. I started earlier. There are, of course, bigger things to be thankful for. Um, oh, like I so this so is, and we're going to talk about yeah, we are. it we are. a lot. <laughs> but yeah, I just I just wanted to be thankful for Mon. She's so great. Oh, bless. I actually decided to start early on my New Year's resolution. My New Year's resolution for next year is to make a pie for any man who helps me with car stuff. Because I feel like I ask a lot of men in my life to help me with car stuff. And I never seem to be able to express my gratitude enough. So I'm like, do you know what? Mon. I'm going to pay with pie. Yeah. You know I'm good with cars, right? <laughs> I feel like I have a back catalogue of pies for you, Lyle. Come <laughs> on. You know I like pie, right? <laughs> I just gave you one, Lawson. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Uh, Mon, what are you thankful for today? Oh, mercy. I wasn't even thinking about it. I have so much to be grateful for. I guess the, I guess the thing that's making me really happy at the moment is Buttercup. Buttercup. What? Buttercup. What's that? Butter what? Buttercup's the name of my new van. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think. I'm still, I would love to have a little punny van name, but at the moment, because she's Buttercup Yellow, I'm super grateful. I'm so grateful to God for working this one out because I've been praying for a long time for a really cool van. For those who who know Mon well, and many of you as listeners know Mon well, Mon has been saving up for this van for like... A billion years. It's been the dream for a long time, and then it turns out, God just gave me an awesome van at like the most epic price. So I was. This at, is true. Yeah. This is very and true. Yeah. So the, the dream is to do van life. And then while I'm doing van life, to like throw all the money that I'd usually throw at rent at my debt. And so I was actually able to get the van for a song and then throw the rest of my money that I've been already saving up for it at my debt already. So I have like a head start. I got a jump start. I got a God given jump start. So I'm super stoked about it. So yeah. But Lyle, what are you grateful for before we run out of time? Well, um, it's Christmas Day. I'm grateful that Jesus came to this world as Amen. a baby. And I don't think you can Amen. be grateful for much more than that on Christmas Day, Amen. the day that we remember that event. What child is this who lay to rest on Mary's lap? Happy sleeping, whom angels greet with anthems sweet, while shepherds watch our keeping. This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing.
Everybody, you were listening to Lauren Daigle with What Child Is This here on Faith FM as we jump into our Christmas special. And it's like, you know what? <laughs> what are you guys doing here in the studio? I mean, seriously, haven't you got anything better to do? We're shuffling blueberry pie in our face, Lyle. What are you talking about? This is as good as it gets. This, this is the best radio <laughs> so, so show I have a question. I have, ever done. I have a question. Go yeah, on. what's up? Why is it... That you guys are eating blueberry pie at that end of the table. <laughs> why Why am I not eating blueberry pie? Because you never asked. Why, why are there only two bowls in the room? Why did you only you shall Why did you receive. bring... You brought... It's this pretty, was premeditated. It's pretty clear to me because someone has to run the show, right? Yeah. It was, While we're chewing, you're talking. Lyle. We are so... You know what? I'm grateful for Lyle. Let's... let's. Amen. Yeah. Grateful for Lyle Doing too. Doing such a good job. That you talk while we chew. We love mm. you, Lyle. This was premeditated. <laughs> Audience, you need to know this was premeditated. I was, I, I was expecting him to take it home and scoff it later. And then I saw him take out a bowl and a spoon. And I was like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take about a bowl on the spoon too. Never mind Lyle. In the next song break. <laughs> we, we, we don't need one for Lyle. Kind of sad. Anyway, hey, anyway, anyway, anyway. Okay, it's our Christmas special mm. uh, program Amen. today. And so what we're going to talk about is um, bigger and more important things than blueberry pie. Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to talk about uh, Christmas memories because Christmas is one of those times where you build family memories. Um, mm. And uh, Mon, I'm going to start with you. Because I'm going to ask, Germans do it kind of different, right? Mm-hmm. You guys don't even have Christmas on Christmas Day. No, that's messed no. up. Like, what about? So, what, what's up with that? Yeah. So, a lot of European countries actually celebrate Christmas on the 24th. So, Christmas morning was something that never occurred to me. We always did everything in the evening yeah. on Christmas Eve. So, it's not like Christmas Day is the 24th. We still recognize the 25th as Christmas Day. But the 24th, we get up. There's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of cooking happening. Sometimes your dad's rushing last minute to go get something from the shops. Classic. <laughs> and then hiding in a room and wrapping it and pretending he bought it three weeks ago. And... um and then every everything culminates in Christmas dinner. And then you have the dinner and then afterwards you open all the presents and then you, you play with your new toys and you have dessert. And then Christmas Day, I used to just think of it as indigestion day <laughs> <laughs> or digestion day, either which way. Basically, it was a, just a day that everyone could just sleep in, play with your new stuff, completely relax, um, have nothing on the agenda. And as I got older, I found it a little bit more boring, I suppose. Um, because, you know, all my friends were busy and you know, I had nothing to do with my, my parents' official day off. But then we started creating um, a new sort of tradition in our family where um, because we celebrated on the 24th, we had our family thing, it left us free to do something else on the 25th. And so we started opening our home to, I guess, what I would call like vagabonds. And, um, and we started just inviting people that we had met through the year who didn't necessarily have family mm. um, or they were far away from their family. And, uh, and it was really great because every year we had a kaleidoscope of different guests. I remember one time I used to I used to work in a cafe and the cafe employed a lady who had just migrated to Australia from Persia and she didn't have a single person in Australia that she knew or that was family and so she was completely alone. And, you know, she was like, you know, twice my age and so I just invited her to come to Christmas and so all year long we kind of have an eye out for these kind of isolated people and, uh, and then invite them along on the 25th. 
And um, and so yeah, that was sort of what we did on the twenty fifth. And um, yeah, that's kind of that cool. So really you've never cool. had that experience as a little kid, where it comes to Christmas Eve and you're going to bed and you just can't imagine how you will ever get to sleep. Oh, no, that's not Ruth. That's no. It's, it actually is kind of worse for me because we go to sleep on the twenty third, just eager to wake up on the twenty fourth. But then you have to wait oh, the, the whole day oh, through. That's right. <laughs> so, okay, so you've never had it's that experience. It's even more of, delayed gratification. <laughs> you've never had that experience of waking up in the morning, just sitting bolt upright in bed no. as a kid, Mm-mm. tearing out of the room, jumping on top of your parents' bed, bouncing up and down, waking them up. And saying, it's Christmas Day, it's Christmas no, Day. And no, thinking that it's actually now never. time to open presents. And I think the Europeans did that on purpose. They didn't have to get the parents out of bed that early. <laughs> 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 if you think about it. <laughs> so, Lawson, when you were a little a little kid, uh, oh, you, you did the whole run into the parents' room <laughs> and just... I, I don't think... Up until I was probably about 14, I didn't think I had a single Christmas where I was up any later than maybe five o'clock in the morning. Wow. So uh-huh. I was... I could see you using a catapult to launch yourself into oh, a I just, But then I knew... But that's the thing. When I was really young, I would run into my parents' room. But I knew after that that it just wasn't going to work. Because my mum was just one of those ladies where she would just sleep. She just doesn't care. She'll sleep. But then my dad would get annoyed. So my dad would bring me out. But then my dad would be like, I can't open presents till your mum comes out. No, I'll be like, ah, no. (laughs) So so I learned. So yeah, I was kind of like a bolt upright out of bed. And then I was, so, because I'm like, I can't open the presents. But I would go to the Christmas tree and like find the ones with my name on it and put them in a pile ready to go. And I'd be like picking them up, shaking them, like hearing what's inside and guessing like, oh, this box is heavy. This box is light. You can always tell when there's Lego in a... I was just about to say, Lego was your view. And you have oh, shake it. It's like, yeah, Lego. Definitely, yep. definitely Lego. Mm-hmm. Dude, Lego. And like when I was younger than that, like Thomas the Tank Engine tracks, I was trying, I was <laughs> sniffing those out. Because <laughs> I just wanted them so bad. That's <laughs> awesome. Amazing. Did you have like American Australian blended traditions, Lyle? Because you got like a yes, half Yes, we do. Um, so in my home, my wife obviously being from the United States, we have an American Christmas dinner. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the full, the full thing, mm-hmm. um, which is a little bit different, you know, for Australia. Growing up in Tasmania, of course... We didn't have the really blazing hot Christmases that you have up right. here. Generally speaking, you know, where people go to the beach and they go to swimming, whatever it might be. Um, the Christmases were generally generally a little cooler. Sometimes one year we had a white Christmas oh. um, where it actually snowed on Mount Wellington. So that was wow. pretty exciting. Um, and, of course, Mount Wellington is the, is the mountain behind Hobart. Um, and they've had that a couple of times since I left Tasmania. But um, we used to go and cut our own Christmas tree, which I think was like a she-oak or something. We cut it out of the bush. Um, it was by uh, by my wife's standards. When I was a kid, our Christmas tree was super lame. But now that, uh, you know, and when I got married to an American and she wanted to have a blue spruce, it's like blue spruce is like ridiculously <laughs> expensive Rare, in yeah. this country. <laughs> and blue spruce in this country are scraggly, sad looking things that are just like desperate for some cooler weather. <laughs> Whereas uh, where Shell comes from in Wisconsin, you know, you get, you, you, you go into the bush and there's just one after another. There's just like millions and millions of your <laughs> perfect Christmas blue spruce, mm-hmm. you know, and you just put the axe through the bottom cart at home, set it up, have a tree. And so um, for the first time ever, uh, I think the first year or two I insisted, because we always had a real Christmas tree. So the first first couple of years I insisted, you can't have, you can't have a plastic, who has a plastic Christmas tree? Seriously. Right. I mean, that's so lame. That's the definition of lame. And so I bought a radio out of pine. offended like most of our listeners, yeah, but yeah, go yeah. on. <laughs> I, bought a, I bought a radio out of pine. And, uh, you know, a radiator of pine compared to a blue spruce, it's just, it is really super scraggly and just horrid tree. <laughs> you know, I'm a cabinet maker by trade and we hate radiata at the best of times. Mm. And then I had to admit that, yeah, this was just not going to cut it for my American <laughs> wife. No. Nope. So now we have a plastic Christmas tree, but when it is decorated, it is the most epic tree on the planet i've seen it it is pretty i epic. feel like i don't believe you it, no, because no, we had a fantastic you can you can, disbel- you can disbelieve me all to your to, to to as far as you want i'm just telling you the facts as they stand <laughs> it the is pretty good as they stand is no one de- decorates a christmas tree like my wife does and uh then of course we had uh early on i remember one of our christmases early on 
where we didn't actually have anything planned for Christmas. It was just the four of us, um, my wife and the two boys. And my parents were in Africa, living in Africa at the time. Shell's parents were living in the United States. We're like, oh, that's fine. We're just going to have a family day for Christmas. You know, the four of us together as a family. And we did that and we actually felt super lonely. Mm. Because everybody else had a house full of people and we didn't. Mm. And we had some friends that um, contacted us that afternoon and said, hey, you want to come down the park and hang out? And we did. And it was amazing. And I've ever since then, I've been super thankful for that. Uh, because in my mind, it, it kind of really rescued that Christmas day for us. And so that highlighted something in our mind. And so we ended up doing the same as you, having an open house on Christmas day. Just Anyone advertising. Can Anyone can come. Anyone can rock up. Um, and uh, yeah, so... Uh, totally, yeah. House full of people today. I actually want to propose after the break. I've been thinking about this a lot the last couple of days. I have a new Christmas tradition, and I kind of want the church to take it on board. But I'll tell you all about it next. It's, it's. Oh, I don't know. It might scare a few people, but I, I have a, I have a good plan. I've got it all thought out. The Christmas foot washing. No, but it does follow. It does follow in the example of Jesus of something that I think maybe not just the Seventh Adventist Church, but Christians as a whole should do as a new Christmas tradition. Good. Well, we're going to come back right after this break. Um, this is Silent Night, Lord of My Life, um, with Lady Antebellum, and we are going to have Mon's suggestion followed by a debate. Ooh. <laughs> The ghost of Christmas past. Very cool. It shows in line. All right, you ready to go? <clears throat> Three, two, one. Welcome back, everybody. That was Silent Night uh, by Lady Antebellum here on Faith FM for our Christmas Day special. 
And just before we went to the song, Mon was telling us that she was yeah. going to... Start a new Christmas tradition. Okay. And I think y'all should get on board. Right. So this Christmas, right, I'm not actually flying to my parents um, for Christmas. And so I've been trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And I've decided, and I've already booked this in, I'm going to donate blood. Really? You can do oh, that on Christmas okay. Day? You can do it on Boxing Day and you can do it on the 24th. Not on Christmas Day itself, but every other day, even the 1st of January. And I think, like, I was thinking about it, right? This is a perfect new tradition to do because everyone has a day off except for the nurses, the doctors, and the phlebotomists. Phlebotomists are people who take blood who are desperately trying to help out the crisis. We have a massive crisis. It's been going on for months now in Australia that we I have a blood shortage. No, phlebotomists. <laughs> <laughs> wrong tradition, Lyle. Wrong tradition. <laughs> and I was thinking, do you know what? What better way to celebrate the birth and life of Jesus who gave his blood to save us by giving our own blood yes. to wow. save other people? And yes. I, yeah, and I thought, do you know what? These people are giving up their public holiday to be ready for anyone who wants to donate blood. Because so many people, it's their public holiday. They have their time off. This is the time that they can go and donate blood. And they're just open, they're ready, they're waiting. They're calling people desperate to book spots. And I thought, do you know what? How great would it be if we spread this message through the Adventist church, through the Christian churches at large, and these places and at Christmas time, yeah, at Christmas time, we're flooded with Christians. And just told, and told them every single time, yet yeah, we're Christians, we're here to give blood because Jesus gave blood for us. It would make such a community impact, like in like in just a few years, I reckon the whole of Australia would know about the Adventist Church or the Christian, the Christian heart for for, for other Australians. I think this is a great new tradition. Do you want to go, do you want to go tomorrow amazing. and give blood? Yes, you need to call up and and book it for um, Boxing Day. Book it. Okay. Book in a spot. Come okay. give blood. Are with you me. in Newcastle? Yeah, Newcastle, <sighs> Newcastle. Let's do it. And there's no, this together. is a thing, right? You don't even need that many people because there's not that many blood banks around Australia. I think just a just a few people and like that's an amazing idea. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. I'm, totally, totally support it. It would actually be the 100% first time behind I give blood. So, oh really? Yeah. So wow, I'm keen. Well, wow, I'm gonna I'm gonna coach you through it when we're and off. You've air. got like the second best blood on the planet, right? I've got the highest sought after blood because it's the most versatile. Like anyone can take my blood. That's why I said the second best best blood on the planet. Second after Jesus. Yeah, that's right. drop. No heresy in here. It's not just about the manger where the baby lay. It's not all about the angels who sing for him that day. It's not all about the shepherds on the bright and shining star. It's not all about the wise men who traveled from afar. It's about the cross, it's about my sin, it's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. It's about the storm that was rolled away so that you and I could have real life someday. It's about the cross. Just about the good things in this life I've done. It's not all about the treasures or the trophies that I've won. It's not about the righteousness that I find within. It's all about His precious blood that saved me. Someday 
was the Ball Brothers. It's all about the cross. What a crescendo. Yeah. Ooh, wow, I didn't know you knew that word. Big words yeah. this morning yeah. on a Monday morning. My brain is just switched on this morning. <laughs> I didn't know you, you know what that word was because you're not hugely musical or, or musically interested. So that's why I'm impressed. <laughs> that's why I'm impressed, Lyle. I've been trying to figure out whether the first song was a Christmas carol or not. Is that a Christmas carol? <laughs> oh, Lyle, you're so cultured. I am. <laughs> You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, let's get to this debate. I'm very yes. keen. Santa Claus. I'm going to throw a pie. Oh, hey, hey. Ooh. Santa Claus. Here what did, Santa okay, Claus. so Lawson, what did your parents tell you about Santa Claus when you were a kid? What's your earliest <laughs> memories that, that of is, Santa Claus? That is real. You got me a blue bike. Yep. Yep. So. I can a hundred percent believe that you were the kind of kid who believed in Santa. That does not surprise me. <laughs> yeah, a single bit. but like you know, I grew out of it eventually. Was it, was it mortifying when you realized the truth? No, I I kind of had always had a feeling. Actually, I was like suspect. I yeah, I was I was a real suspect because okay because your house didn't have a chimney. <laughs> okay, so out of nowhere, like wh- okay, so one year I got a blue bike. Uh huh. And I was like, you know, like Santa got it for you. I was like, whoa. And then two years later, I got a red bike. And I kind of, I had been asking for this red bike. Because, you know, when you're really young and you go really fast, like I just grew out of the blue bike yeah. like straight away. I'm like, oh, I want a red bike. My parents are like, okay. And I go in, they're like, yeah, Santa's going to get you the red bike. I go into the garage, December 24th. And what do I see? A red bike. A red bike. Oh, the day before Santa Yeah, turned, I was Santa six years early. old and I was like, hmm. <laughs> and then, and then it, you know, it's in front of the tree and they're like, oh, Santa bring it last night. Like, and I was like, but I saw it in the garage. <laughs> and it was just this, this whole like whirlwind effect of everyone realizing like, oh, he gets it. He's like, <laughs> he's figured it out. <laughs> and so my parents are like, oh, yeah, Santa's not real. And I was like... I don't know. I didn't have, like, I was about to pretend I had a huge reaction, but I was like, okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. okay. So, so Mon, you grew up in a German home. Does, is Santa, does Santa got the same tradition? Like you come down the chimney and all that kind of stuff in Germany. Do you put out uh, stockings for him, that kind of thing? Yeah, we, you do all that kind of stuff. I actually like, I need to ask my parents because I don't ever remember being fed the Santa lie. And as a child, it never seemed to bother me that people believed in him because I was like, I know he's not real. I know it's just, you know, it's like another story. But I just, I don't, I don't ever remember believing in him. I don't ever remember being told to believe in him. I just, I just, I just, I think I got to like my teens and then, you know, you start hearing stories from your friends about how devastated they were. And I was like, what? Really? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so my wife has a very different experience. Uh, producer, right. producer Shell, because she did believe in Santa. She was very convinced of Santa. Um, and, uh, how, how old, producer Joe, how old were you when you f- learnt that Santa was not real? Like, double digits? 16. <laughs> no. Are you serious? No, it wasn't, it was definitely double digits. Ah, oh, she's if putting a 16 the, through the window. If, no. I, if I remember, if I remember correctly, it was definitely double digits. 23. Oh, third grade or fifth grade? Twenty. I was like twenty. Okay, but this is this is an interesting story, and there's a, and there's a lesson here, um, because yeah. Anyway, before I tell that story, what are yeah. you what are you going to tell your kids? Hundred oh, percent not real. Not real. Yeah. Uh, not oh, real. really? Everybody's yeah. agreed on that. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, it's not worth yeah. it, eh? What's the point? Why, 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 why would you are... lie to your kids and lose their trust? Okay, so producer Shell has actually uh, done a little a little bit of research now, and she's. Um, she 35. told us that she was 10. She was actually 10. <laughs> she researched the recesses she of her 10. mind. She was 10. 10. You might okay. think, okay, that's pretty exceptional. That's a fairly fairly long time. There's a lesson to be learned here. So um, children believe their parents. Whatever their mm-hmm. parents say is what children believe in. That's, um, that's just, you know, that's kind of how it is. And so, um, you know, she'd always just believed that Santa was real. But as you grow older as a child, you start to become a bit sus about it, as Lawson did, particularly when he saw that Sandra had actually been there a day early and mm-hmm. was like, maybe this is um, you know, not how this things stitch up. It's a bit of a stitch up. And so Shell, you know, she's going to school. Um, she's reached that age where all of her school friends have figured out Sandra is not real. Mm-hmm. And they're all talking about it on the bus and they're talking about it at school and she gets really, really upset. And she's like fighting with them like, no, Sandra is real. 
because mm-hmm. my dad said so and my dad would never lie to me. Uh, and then she goes home and then she goes home and she's like, oh, all of these kids were saying that Santa's not real. And her dad was super gutted that, you know, her childhood was starting to fade away and that reality was starting to kick in. And, you know, he loved her obviously tremendously. And so um, he wanted to, to enjoy that piece of childhood that little bit longer. And so that night... He went up onto the roof of the house and he took with him a ladder and a deer's foot. Oh, man. Probably that he'd souvenired from one of his hunting trips, as you do in America. This is the United States. That's what you do. Oh, no, I know where this is Um, going. And he made sleigh tracks and footprints and deer prints all over the roof. Oh, mercy. And the next day took her up there to show where Santa had come and had come down the chimney and that he was real. And so as a result of that, she was kind of, con- yeah, I've not kind of, but absolutely convinced for quite a while to come into the future. And so when other kids like, yeah, no, Santa's not real, um, she didn't believe them at all because she had seen firsthand evidence that he was. Oh. Which was, which was, which when she found out the truth, she loved her dad for how much effort he put in for her, but she was so devastated that it was possible for her dad to lie to mm, her. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really, really traumatic for her, a very, very traumatic experience. We need to be very careful what we tell our children and how we tell our children things. When I was a kid growing up, I had a very opposite experience because my parents just told me straight up, yeah, this is this is a fun tradition. You know, Santa's not real. Right. Easter mm-hmm. Bunny's not real. These are... Tooth um, Fairy. Yeah, Tooth Fairy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, these are all myths and they're fun yeah. myths. Yeah. Um, and they're fun to talk about and tell stories about, but Jesus is real. Exactly. And here's the problem. Yeah. Because when Shell found out that Santa wasn't real, she then... Had know, reason to doubt anything had, else. Had yeah. reason to doubt whether Jesus was real because if you both think of about, them are a part of the Christmas story. If you think about what happened to her as a child is what's going to happen to all of us as adults when we're surrounded by our peers who are like, oh, Jesus isn't real, don't be stupid. And we have to cling to our belief, to, you know, the evidence that we've experienced what we've read in the Bible. And so if we set kids up for Santa to not actually be real, how do we expect them when they're later in life to continue believing Something they can't see either. Yeah, and so this is something that I believe is very, very important that we do with our children, that we draw a line of distinction between what is myth and fantasy and what is real. And I think there's still possibility in the entirety of a child's childhood for adults to still create something magical or whimsical um, out of reality. They don't have to rely on the Santa lie Mm. To make magic in a kid's life. You can do that with just the, the beauty and the wonder of nature. Take a kid for a walk, teach the kid, you know, the wonders and the, and the incredible stuff in nature. And that's stuff they can believe. So it doesn't have – the magic of childhood doesn't have to rest upon this fake Santa's shoulders. We're going to move on with the show. This is Oh Daddy, Just Whose Birthday is Christmas by the Statler Brothers. You're listening to Faith FM. One December Sunday morning after church – I was walking to my car, and I heard a little boy say, Oh, Daddy, just whose birthday is Christmas? The Bible says that Jesus was born. Oh, Daddy, please explain. I had to ask because you hear so much about Santa Claus. Silver bells and cedar smells don't tell the story Of the virgin and the manger where he lay Best of drinks and glasses clinks will not make Jesus Proud to say that this is his birthday Oh daddy, just whose birthday is Christmas The Bible says that Jesus was born Oh, Daddy, please explain I had to ask because You hear so much about Santa Claus In Sunday school we read the Christmas story 
Saint Nick will come next week, so we are told. It's hard to understand in a big people's land, especially if you're six years old. Oh, Daddy, just whose birthday is Christmas? The Bible says that Jesus was born. Oh, Daddy, please explain. I had to ask because you hear so much about Santa Claus. It's hard to understand in a big people's land, especially if you're six years old. You're listening to Faith FM Radio, positively different. I've heard about this baby boy who's come to earth to bring us joy. And I just want to sing this song to you. Goes like this the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, the major lift. With every breath, I'm singing hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.
Big special welcome, welcome to Dr. Sven Erstring. Thank you, Lyle. Okay, so oh, yep. Wait, wait, it might work it. better if we switch the microphone on. Okay. Yeah, so thank you. It's good to be back. Yes. I did say that before, but I was mute. You so were. I was. We might have been able to hear you in the background. I don't know, but. In the background. You are here. Tell us, we have a fascinating subject to cover today. We're going to talk about the miracle of Christmas. Yes. Yeah. Look. Christmas is a, a magnificent time. And, uh, you know, when you think about all of the, the experiences you've had over Christmas, um, it's just, um, you know, sometimes you could say it's like a miracle. I remember when I was uh, living in England. So I went up to uh, family friends and living close to Manchester. And it was just like a white dump of snow. And I looked out in the morning and there was this little red fox just kind of wandering across the the snow, left, leaving these footprints, and it's magical. It's that um, is amazing. It's it's a miracle. And um, but I guess the thing is here is that often what we kind of forget is that at the very heart of Christmas is a miracle. It's uh, Christmas is not about presents or Santa Claus. Are, are uh, your children convinced of this that Christmas is not about presents? Uh, well, that's uh, He's trying. That, that's He's that. trying. We're, They're we're on trying. their way. We're trying. We're, we're I'm working teaching on them that. philosophy of Christmas, but <laughs> we're, we're working on that. But, one. but, yeah. but the thing is, at the heart of it, it's yeah, not about yeah. Christmas trees. Right. It's not about you know presents. It's not about Santa. It's it's about a a miracle, mm. a miracle which which occurred, and and which it's really amazing. The Bible actually predicts this miracle. Um, uh, hundreds of years before it even happens. So if you if you turn with me in your Bibles as you're driving to work, I know you're not supposed to do that, so so I um, uh, recommend you do that. Uh, but if you go to uh, to Isaiah uh, chapter chapter seven and you go down to verse fourteen, it says this: Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign, uh, and a sign in the Bible means a miracle. It means a, a supernatural sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Mm. And, and so, first of all, we have this, this incredible miracle that, that a virgin shall conceive. Now, the question for us is, is that naturally, physically possible, a virgin to conceive? There's a really interesting question. Some would argue that the word for virgin here in Isaiah uh, refers to a young woman. Yes, and could even be a reference to Isaiah's wife. It could be, yes. And she was married. Uh, definitely, definitely. So, so she, from that perspective, wasn't a virgin because indeed. she was already married. Indeed. But the thing is this, is that when you go to the Septuagint, which is the, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, they, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit... They read this and they say, how are we going to translate this? And they put in the Greek word for, for virgin. And I think the other significant thing is that when you come to the New Testament, uh, the New Testament actually defines that this is a woman who has not been with a man. That's right. Mm. That's right. And clarifies that for us, just in case we were, you know, if we'd had that verse just on its own, we didn't have the New Testament, we could say, well, you know, maybe it's just a young woman. But when you come to the New Testament, it is super clear that, yes. no, 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 Isaiah was talking about and prophesying in relationship to 
somebody a, a woman who's never been with a man otherwise never had sex that's mm-hmm. right and 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 the reality is this is that we always when we're looking at the bible we should always interpret the old testament in the light of the new testament the new testament kind of expands expounds it um, opens up what the old testament is really saying so you have this um, this amazing miracle uh, which was predicted hundreds of years before it actually happened and then it really did happen, and that's the that's the heart of Christmas that this supernatural event um, actually occurred. Now the question is this, and and look, like we have actually talked about this on on Faith FM um, Breakfast Show before, but the question is, is it logical for miracles like this to to actually happen? Mm. Because a lot of scientists would say this is physically impossible to happen. So it just can't happen at all. Here's an interesting thought. Let me toss, toss this one at you, uh, Dr. Sven. Um, some people would say that a miracle is just the use of information or technology that another society has not yet discovered. So, you, so it's kind of uh, they, ter- they look at it as a miracle and over time, we would come back because we've understood because we can do uh, conceptions. We can, yeah. yeah, we can do virgin births today. You know, um, set it all up in a test tube and so forth. Not a problem. And, and it all and it all occurs. Yeah, and and that's that's a really interesting uh, thing, Lyle, because I I've got a friend. Uh, well, not not a close friend, but but a friend um, who never got married and really wanted to have kids. And and she decided that she wanted to have some kids, so so she actually conceived and had Virgin some birth. children. And and look, um, you know whether you whether you totally agree with that, and I can understand she was you know lonely and and wanted to have the the joy of having kids. Um, the reality is that we can do it today. So it sounds like to me then that miracles, um, in in this sense, um, comes from it's like all about perception and context then well i think there's some other context that we need to look at here and that is the simple reality that uh you know two thousand years ago they didn't have the technology we have today Mm. but but the other thing is this is okay so so this is a really important point is um because some people will say that every conception is a miracle you know Mm. um that that when 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 uh, my daughter was was conceived and we could see her embryo and um, uh, growing in um, in my wife's uh, womb, and and they'd say that's amazing. It's a miracle. Mm-hmm. And so, so what does wh- you know? What are we really talking about here at Christmas? Is it is it really a miracle, or is it just a surprise? Uh, fancy words. You know what I mean? Well, here's here's something else. Because I think when we look at the virgin birth and we look at this prophecy of the virgin birth, we often get sidetracked by the fact that a virgin is giving birth. Mm. And we see that as the bigger miracle. You know what I see? I see the bigger miracle being the fact that 700 years before it happened, God predicted it. Yes. Because you know, prediction I see as being much more difficult than yeah, a virgin birth. The, the key thing here is that, that I think it's really important because some people say <coughs> all of life is a miracle. The whole universe is a miracle. And, mm. and therefore, we shouldn't actually sort of necessarily make this one thing distinct. The, the key here is to understand what we call the primary cause or who is really responsible. Now, mm. for, for natural conceptions, the, the, the decision which made that possible was, was a couple who decided to, to, to conceive. Now, of course, you know, there's a whole lot of, uh, shall I say, random things that are occurring, but it was them that, act, that couple that actually decided to go ahead. So, so we could say that that was a human decision. Now, going back to those that situation where where my friend had a um, had children, that was a decision by human beings. Uh, the um, my friend and the the um, uh, the scientists who actually made it happen. Now, there's another one, and this is Lyle. Um, uh, th- this is a little bit more kind of. Uh, sinister, shall I say, a little bit dark, and I recognize this. But the reality is this, is that in the world in which we live, uh, you can, we can have situations like date rapes, for example, and conceptions mm. can occur in that situation as well. 
and that's that's a um, that's very dark. It's a, it's an evil situation. But um, the thing is, in the situation for Christmas, who was the primary person responsible for that conception? It was God's decision Himself, mm. and that's what makes it a supernatural miracle. And that's why we need to make a distinction. God, yes, God has created the whole universe. Uh, life is itself is a miracle, but this one here was a direct decision by God, which he, as you said, lol, foretold hundreds of years beforehand, which is really, really amazing. And, you know, it's interesting that um, the fact is this is that miracles can occur. And it's not just we don't live in a big machine that just goes on uh, that God can't intervene. He can. Mm. He can intervene follows, in your lives. And follow set laws. That's right. Yeah, this is one of the one of the mistakes that the antediluvians made. You know, nature follows set That's laws. That's right. And then nature didn't. That's right. And so, so what we have here is an amazing supernatural miracle that was directly caused by God. And why did he want to do this? Uh, the Bible tells us that, as John says, the word became flesh. Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. Why? So that we could see his, his glory. We could see his grace. We could experience his salvation as well. And, and Lyle... Um, and and Lawson, this is where I want to come back to what it means for us. You know, we could experience a miracle this Christmas. Do you realize that? Uh, anyone listening um, to us right now could experience a personal miracle as well. And I want to come to, to John, uh, John chapter 1. And uh, just in the verses before um, uh, the verse that I read, it says this, But to all who received him... Talking about Jesus, to all who receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So he's saying it's not a natural thing. It, it wasn't caused by a, a human decision. Uh, this is a decision uh, that we can choose, but is actually caused by God. Mm. We can be born again. Wow. And so if you want to, to make a new start at Christmas, I was down at the stable door and uh, the, the, the preacher at the end actually talked about becoming a new you, uh, a totally transformed you, you know, where, where everything about you, you know, if you want to be a person that, you know, you tell the truth, uh, you don't get angry, you, you, um, you have a sense of peace. Uh, you you walk with integrity. Uh, you can experience that miracle this Christmas, and I I want to to just invite all of our listeners to just read through uh, the the Gospel of John and choose to to be part of that miracle this Christmas. Mm. And so when we look at you know the big miracles that have taken place in our world, and you know if you start to compare them, and, and it's probably a false thing to do is to compare one miracle with another miracle and say, well, this one's greater and this one's lesser. Um, we've got, you know, within the Christmas miracle story, you've got two big miracles in my view. You've got the fact that God predicts it yes. long before it happens. And then you've got the fact that God does it and a virgin does give birth. And yes. this virgin, you know, gives birth to a child that does not have a human father. Um, you know, that's that's a s outstanding sensational miracle. Without the aid of technology or, or yeah, any yeah, science. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. Absolutely. None of that. None of that. Um, you know, um, but then you've got, then you've got what this child grows up to do. And ultimately what this child grows up to do is to be able to change your life and to change my life, mm. you know, to change your life as a listener, radically change your mm. life for the better. Um, out of all of these miracles, which one do you rate as the highest? How do you even rate a miracle, right? How do you rate a miracle? Yeah. But, but look, the thing is that it's all within the, the big, big story. Um, as I'd say, the meta-narrative. Yeah. What we're talking about is a God who does intervene and he does want to be part of our lives, whether it's uh, by giving us prophecies, whether it's by um, entering into this world 
as a baby or whether it's by intervening in your life. Mm. And the other thing as well as this is it's not just a once-off event. So it's not just in a stable um, 2,000 years ago. It's not just, you know, say on, on Christmas Eve when you have a whole lot of time, you read the Gospel of John and, and you make that decision, yes, I want to be born again. The fact is this, even on New Year's Day, one week later, you can still pray a prayer and God will still intervene and work another miracle in your life. Uh, no matter what that is and what you need, um, God will work the best miracle in, his, in your life. And it could be just to say, Lord, I, I just need peace. Um, I, you know, uh, all of these things are happening in my life. Just give me peace and God can do it for you. Yeah, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to move on with the show. Thank you. 